First of all, I grew up here in Cranford, went through the Cranford school system. As many older residents may remember, my father had a business in downtown Cranford camera store for about 45 years. In fact, we're sitting here in my office in Cleveland Plaza. In the early 60s, I attended elementary school in this building when it was Cleveland School. They reopened it in the early 60s because of the bulge in the uh, population and needed an extra elementary school, so I attended three years of school here. As I said, grew up in Cranford, attended Cranford High School. I moved out to Cleveland, Ohio for four years of college, and then I came back here to attend law school. I went to Seton Hall Law School. Then I uh, established a practice here in Cranford, actually, and, and I've had a law practice in Cranford and some other places in Union County for more than 35 years and uh, continue to practice law. As far as how I got into politics, that actually ties in with my going to college. When I was, I guess, a senior in college, a friend of mine was a year ahead of me. He had graduated, and he was involved in a mayoral campaign in Cleveland. I had always had an interest in politics and in government, but I had never really been too much involved with it, though when I was, I guess, in junior high school, Hubert Humphrey was running for president. That was the first presidential campaign that I really had any knowledge of, and in fact, there were a couple of us kids who set up a storefront, Hubert Humphrey headquarters here in Cranford, with the help of, I don't know if he was mayor then, but Bert Goodman who had been a mayor at one time. His son was one of the people we, we set that up. So my, my interest in politics goes back that far, but my involvement with it really started when I was in college. And I had an opportunity to be involved in this mayoral campaign and really involved because my friend was part of the press office there. He was part of the inner circle. So I had an opportunity to see what went on from inside as opposed to just reading it in the newspaper or, or whatever. And I... Uh, that, that sparked my interest and said to myself, this is something I could be involved with. One of the things that I found interesting was on election night, I was in the headquarters with the candidate and the campaign manager and the, and the press staff and so on. And we knew from the early results that we were going to lose this campaign from where the results were coming in and we were losing districts we had to win. As opposed to watching on the TV screen uh, the ballroom upstairs and the people partying and the campaign putting up the numbers they wanted to and people not really knowing that we were going to lose this campaign. We knew within a half hour the polls closing. And I said to myself, I don't want to be one of those people in the ballroom. I want to be somebody who's involved and knows what's going on. So that sparked my interest. When I came back to Cranford to attend law school, I got involved in the local Democratic Party here in Cranford. Cranford at that time and still is somewhat of a swing community. The Democrats control sometimes, the Republicans control sometimes. And so I got involved. I became a uh, Democratic County Committeeman fairly quickly, and I've been one either in Cranford or Springfield almost all of the time since then. Got involved with a couple of campaigns. Sandy Weeks was uh, a Democratic candidate for mayor. She was the person responsible mostly, or one of the people responsible for the bike paths around Cranford, and, and I uh, got involved with her campaign. And actually, after a couple of years, I was the Democratic chairman here in Cranford, which lasted for one year. Back then, now it's every two years, but back then they elected chairman every year. And I spent one year as Democratic chairman. And a couple of years later, got married, and compromising with my wife, ended up in Springfield instead of Cranford. And once I moved there, I became involved in the Democratic Party there. 
and I've been working with the Democratic Party in Springfield and Union County ever since. Became, if not the actual, but the nominal chairman of the Democratic Party in Springfield a couple years later, and spent some years with that title, though often not, but I've been involved helping to run that party. And we eventually, Democrats, took the majority in Springfield, and at that time I became the township attorney in Springfield. And much to my surprise, at the length, I spent 16 years as the attorney in Springfield. And during that time, I obviously had involvement with the county party, with county government, because the county government and the local governments interact. And so I had an opportunity to learn county government, to get to know the department heads and the people running the county, and, and of course, to get to know the Democratic candidates who, obviously, at this time, all got elected. And so there came a point couple of years ago that I decided that 16 years in local government had been enough and that it was time to look for other challenges. And so I went to the powers that be and said, if you need a freeholder candidate at some point, I'm, I'm available. And much to my surprise, truly, within a few weeks, because unbeknownst to me at that time, Debbie Scanlon had made a decision that she was going to retire after, I think, 12 or more years on the freeholder board. And Debbie's position on the ticket became available, and I was lucky enough to be chosen by the Democratic Party to fill that slot. That was two years ago, and I appreciate that the electorate saw fit to put me into office, and so I've been a freeholder since January of 2013. As I said, it was a relatively easy transition for me, knowing government, knowing politics, certainly knowing Union County, having lived here all my life. It was uh, an easy transition into the freeholder position. Now, being on the freeholder board, you're one of several freeholders, obviously. But in terms of your own priorities, what are some of the things that you would like to see accomplished during your term as a freeholder? One of the things that I brought into it as a freeholder, having been in local government, is shared services. And obviously, that's not something all that new. It's not something unique to me. But it was an issue that I saw from the local government viewpoint, and many of the freeholders did not come out of local government, so it was, I think, a, a somewhat different viewpoint. Often people think of shared services as a municipality and their school board doing government services together, municipalities among themselves doing it, but one of the things that this freeholder board had been focusing on before I got there, and certainly one of the things I've jumped on the bandwagon with, is shared services from the county to the municipalities. And I see that as a, a unique opportunity for both the county and the municipalities. And Union County has a number of programs which we offer to the municipalities, which I use as examples uh, of what the county should be doing. One is our dispatch center in Westfield, which, by the way, was, was recently had an updated computer system, which is, is just phenomenal in its ability to get information from the dispatcher to an ambulance, to a police car, to a fire engine quickly as to where they're going. In fact, they can have on their computer screen the address that they're heading to virtually before it could be set over, over a radio. So in any case, that's a service that is available from the county to the municipalities, and various municipalities use it to a different degree. Some use it just for their first aid squad. Some use it for fire and first aid. Some use it for everything. What can be offered by the county to the municipalities is a state-of-the-art facility with trained professionals that is available at a cost that no municipality could afford. 
For instance, Springfield, when I was still there as the attorney, had a contract with a private company doing part of our dispatch. That company went out of business. They went out of the dispatch service. And Springfield then had to either hire their own dispatchers or find another place to buy this service. And that's when Springfield contracted with the county to have this service at a price that was the same or maybe even a little less than they were paying to the private company. Were Springfield to try and put in their own state-of-the-art dispatch center, it would the cost would be prohibitive. No municipality is going to be able to outfit what the county has at a viable cost. This way, the municipalities using the service are sharing the cost of the first-class facility. It's available, for instance, and I don't want to say which town because I can't remember, but one municipality recently signed up with the county just as backup. So if their dispatch center goes down, they don't have to worry that they're out of business. They have a backup. The lines are in place. The protocols are in place. All they have to do is essentially hit a button and say, county, take care of our dispatch until we get our facility working. So that's an example, I think, of a shared service from the county to the municipalities that is something a municipality could never do on their own. Also more recently, and this is being expanded in the 2014, is a essentially a backup ambulance service that the county is running. That is a service that the county was not really providing up until a couple of years ago. And at that time, it became apparent that there was a need for more ambulance service in the county. Many of the municipalities, their volunteer first aid squads, which have been in existence for decades, just can't get the volunteers that they used to be able to get. And so daytime during the week, other times that service is not available. And many of the municipalities have started providing paid service through their fire departments or, or in other ways. But whether it's a paid service from a municipality, whether it's a volunteer squad over the weekend, sometimes there just isn't enough backup. So now the county has staffed and hired our own people to run ambulances as a backup. So if a town, if their ambulance is out and they can't get mutual aid from an adjoining municipality, the county is there to provide that. Unlike the dispatch service, which as I said is a paid-for service, though at a very good cost to the municipalities, the ambulance service, there is no cost to the municipalities. Because the county is not a volunteer squad, we can bill patient's insurance company, and we get reimbursed for our costs in that method. And in fact, the service is running essentially at no cost to the taxpayers because the reimbursements we get are sufficient to pay for what it's costing the county. So again, for a municipality to do that on their own, they really can't. And to rely on other municipalities, which is what's been done in the past, is really becoming more and more difficult. So the county is providing that service as a shared service to all the municipalities at no cost to the taxpayers. And that's the kind of shared service I think the county can do for the municipalities. We're looking to do that in other areas. There are other programs, but those are the ones I like to point out because I think those are the best examples. Two issues that certainly concern Cranford are the Rawway River and flooding, as well as New Jersey Transit's Raritan Valley Line. There have been a couple of issues that you've been involved with. Tell me a little bit more about that. Talking about the one-seat ride, that is a an issue that's been around really for decades. The municipalities all along the Raritan Valley line are concerned about the lack of direct service from our line 
into New York City. Now, there was a technical problem with that in that we have on the Raritan Valley diesel trains, and they can't run through the tunnel under the Hudson River. But a short while ago, within the last two years, I guess, New Jersey Transit purchased dual locomotive trains so they can switch from diesel to electric when they hit Newark. And that was a necessary step before they could even consider one seat ride. There is a committee from the several counties that is working on this. I am more or less a newcomer to this fight, but it is an important economic issue for all the towns along the railroad here in Union County and the other counties. And so along with Freeholder Kowalski, I've sort of stepped into to see what I can do to help that out. That is an ongoing issue. There's been some progress made. If people don't know, there is, in fact, uh, now five trains running directly from Cranford into New York in basically the mid-morning to early afternoon time slot, and progress is hopefully going to be made moving that forward. There are, again, not so much technical problems anymore, but scheduling problems, which will have to be overcome before Cranford and the whole line can get the, if you want to call it, Midtown Direct during rush hour. But that's that's something that hopefully will develop over the next months and years. The other one is uh, the flooding. Having grown up in Cranford, about a block away from the Rawway River, and moving from there to Springfield, where I live about a block and a half from the Rawway River, I am fully familiar for most of my life with the flooding problems. And obviously they've gotten worse over the years as there's more development, more impervious surface, and really it's become an issue that needs to be dealt with, I think, in a regional way. And so I've had the opportunity over the last couple months to get involved with what's called the Mayor's Council on Flooding, uh, which has been working on this issue for a while. We recently had a meeting at the offices of the United States Army Corps of Engineers in Manhattan concerning their preliminary study on a number of potential ways of solving the problem. And that's an ongoing process. The uh, Mayor's Council will be meeting again shortly. I hope to join them to discuss the various options and, and where to go from here. That will not be quickly or easily solved problem because we're talking first of all about major construction potentially costly construction and much of that money needs to come from the federal government from congress at the recommendation of the army corps so there's a long way to go on that issue but at least there is progress being made the mayor's council has done a wonderful job in pushing the speed along. At one point, the report we got last week was supposed to be in 2013, but the government shut down, delayed it, and so on. But we are probably well ahead of the schedule we would be on in this progress if the Mayor's Council hadn't been pushing it. So I'm hoping to be able to assist them in, in any way that I can to move this process forward, because that's an important economic and quality of life issue for many people.